Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, all right, all right, everybody. Hello, this is In Liberty and Health. Welcome back. I'm really, really looking forward to the show. I've been listening to this guy for a little bit now, and I think this will be a very, very productive conversation. Um, the faux anti-establishment and as well as the empire and kind of what's going on throughout the world right now under uh, Joe Biden and particularly with um, Iran. I haven't quite kept up with it as much as I should have, but um, I'm sure this will make for a very, very fruitful, fruitful conversation. I'm sure he's much better educated on it than I am. Um, you can excuse my dog running around behind me. He had to get stitches the other day. But uh, regardless, uh, make sure you hit the links below to find where you can find my guest and myself and everything I got going on. Tiger Fitness, the world's best supplements. As you can see, you get this shirt and this hat from there. LMNT for the world's best electrolytes. And without further ado, guys, let's rock and roll. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast where we talk all things liberty, health, and wellness and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. One second. My guest will be right back. He's going to grab a drink real quick. But um, he comes from the other end of the political spectrum, and he is back. Nick from the uh, Revolutionary Blackout Network. <laughs> I had Revolutionary Black Network, but I fixed it. How you doing, hey, man? <laughs> What's popping? Thank you for inviting me on, Kyle. Yeah, of course. Well, um, like I told you before the uh, show, I saw you with uh, Miss, Misty Winston and Liam Cosgrove. And I noticed that um, you have a lot of the anti-imperialist leanings that I do. Um, so um, I was just kind of curious what your political journey was like, because I think I remember hearing you say that you were once an Obama supporter. And then yeah, now you're kind of where you at now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my I was always like anti-authority in a way that will kind of like always had like tension 
between me and like teachers. Now I wasn't like, I, and I say that because I wasn't a bad kid. There's a difference. Yeah. You know, you got, you got to know like, like, like the real, I wasn't real bad. There was just tension. Like I was yeah. always like, I will always question why are people tell me stuff. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I'm actually very thankful because my mom kind of cultivate that. She was kind of people like, yeah, you question stuff. You question, like she wasn't, there are a lot of parents that just tell the kids, listen to authority. I think that's yeah. wrong. <laughs> like I get why they do it. They don't want their kid to talk back to them. Which is important, yeah. but you gotta allow your kid to question authority. I think a lot of people make that make that mistake. They they mm-hmm. turn their kids or they groom them in a way they eventually become establishment bootlickers because they teach them there to question authority. So right. I am thankful to my mom and, and and my support structure for allowing me to question stuff. So for example, they like streaming religious, they never put that on me. Like I'm I always like super like anti-establishment and when i was misled when i was a democrat i voted democrat because i thought that was a vote against the establishment yeah. i know we laughing but remember mm-hmm. i grew up during george w bush uh jr and that was seeing george w bush jr played a very very important role in my radicalization like in, mm-hmm. in there was the iraq war the afghanistan war and that was going on during my high school year. So I was always anti-war. I was like, this is crazy that, yeah. that we're okay with invading nations. And I wasn't able to form complex political theories. Mm-hmm. I just knew the Iraq war and the Afghanistan wars messed up. So I yeah. always had a rooted anti-war foundation. Mm-hmm. I vote for Obama because I thought he was going to end the wars. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We see how that went. <laughs> Yeah, so it wasn't like I it wasn't like I was ever I like to make fun of myself. I, I like to like I, I I do that all the time. I make fun of my old bad takes, but I would never like a shit lip. I would never <laughs> I voted for Obama and Democrats because I thought they wasn't bad. And then I went through a, a few years of cognitive dissonance where I would make excuses for Obama. Well, like, oh well, Obama's not doing this because uh, he's being obstructed in Congress. And then I learned that there's nothing stopping Obama. There, the Republicans had nothing to do with the drone strike program, for example. His, yeah. his, his, his expansion of war. That's, I learned about the Uniparty in general. And uh, 2012 was the last time I ever voted for lesser two evils. Uh, I eventually became a supporter of Bernie Sanders. And our mutual friend, Misty, was one of the people who was warning about Bernie early. Mm-hmm. Um I thought that he would provide another mechanism to change. And then I quickly realized that was the wrong direction. So then I started reading a lot about history, revolution, and change. I engaged in electoral politics as my way to change. I realized that was a, a mistake. I, I saw the limits of what people who are considered socialists, radical socialists, what they can accomplish. These are the social Democrats, the Bernie Sanders left, AOC, Justice Democrats, the progressive stuff. These are the people that I'm not sure your political leanings. I'm sure we have disagreements, but these are the people that people generally think of of the left. Like when they yeah. think of the left, they think right. of these purple-haired AOC supporters. And yeah. the thesis that we have, and I think this is why our message resonate, is that these people are here to make the left look as bad as possible and to misrepresent what a socialist and what a left and what a left is actually supposed to be. Like there's uh, no one that has more universal appeal. And I know this is crazy to hear in America, but I can. There's no one who has more universal appeal than a Marxist, than a socialist. But these people have been hijacked by CIA implanted leftism, and this was proven in the 60s and 70s when they hijacked labor unions, 
where they wanted to reject the old school uh, hard labor uh, orientated. Uh, you can even call them Stalinists in a lot of way. These are the more people who's anti-Western, anti-establishment. These are the people who was a threat. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of ranting here, but I'll, I'll wrap it up here. Oh, okay. I, got point. I got an end point, trust me. But these are the people who You're were really anti-establishment. There was that was uh, red-gated. There was McCarthyism that was aimed at these people because it was threat to power. These are the people who resisted empire. These are the people who resisted the psyops against the working class. And even though a lot of Americans think they hate, like the Stalinist communists, but I promise you, you guys have had a lot more agreements with these people if you sat with them. They was purged from the left, and they was replaced with social Democrats, Democratic socialists. These are the Democrat lights. These are the... These are the people who are for war. They are the people who essentially support the Democratic Party. And I came to this conclusion, and I'm like, all right, we got to find another way. And we and I started engaging in that old school leftism. And I was like, what best for my people? And you look at Black Panthers, who is a group that even many conservatives held, like many Republicans were held to Black Panthers. I wonder how many of those conservatives know that they're a Marxist-Leninist organization. So that's why we took uh, inspiration from them. I find that the insights of our revolutionary leaders that took a very anti-colonial approach was very wise. And I'm just expanding on that for a more modern crowd. I know that was a long answer, but I can answer. I can go all day with how my political, like how I gave my political position. I, I passed it to you there. Uh, it was a long journey, to say the least. No, absolutely. And, you know, I kind of resonate with that quite a bit because I know that was sort of the way it was for me. So I've always considered myself a libertarian and I kind of grew up with like the Milo, Milo Yiannopoulos, um, Stefan Molyneux and like some of these people I still like to this day, Ben Shapiro, Stephen Crowder. Now I don't like them quite as much, but like a lot of like the neocon right and then a lot of libertarians. But then over time, I started listening to more and more libertarians and I never really quite questioned the wars and stuff like that because you know i grew up in a blue collar town so i'm in southwestern pennsylvania so i mean it's most like you know just blue collar workers and i worked for the automotive industry so i mean it's just all people who you know george bush supporters and now obviously a lot of those people share a lot of overlap with trump supporters and a lot of them you know as much as they want to cheer trump on for being the anti-war candidate um they supported all these wars at one point so it wasn't yes. until i kind of realized that like hey you know killing people overseas that's like really bad like we should do that and then as i dug more and more into it especially when it came to trump i was like oh this is like a total just faux anti-establishment stance that he takes yes. because he falls in line anytime it came to, anytime it came time to do something meaningful he generally caved and it was caving in favor of the establishment not for his base but his base still loves him for it and to me that's just like i want to slap these people i'm like i love you guys but you deserve better <laughs> like you we deserve so much better than what we're getting yeah and i'm, I'm glad that uh you was able to reach that same conclusion because i think one of the biggest problems in uh our politics and the reason why I, we call so uh post duopoly because like the duopoly rots people's like brains and yeah and i don't know why people take it upon themselves to spend all their time challenging their i'm gonna try to see if this makes sense challenging their opposition you know what i mean like if you're on the republican side why do you spend 90 percent of your time talking about democrats they're never going to listen is, to you anyway. Even back when I was more of a burning person, I used to be, even when I was a burning person, the reason why I never, there were a lot of people who canceled our friend Misty, but I was great friends with Misty, even as you were dragging burning, because I was like, we need that counter. I I always believe that you should hold your side accountable. 
Yes. The problem with this country, people like feel like their number one aim is to attack the, the partisans. No, your number one aim should be clearing your camp up, Cle yes. calling out the frauds in your camp. Then once your camp take over, you're on a great foundation. But what a lot of people do, they focus, and obviously not you, but what a lot of people who are stuck in like the partisan uh, mix, what they do, they focus yeah. on, I'm going to tear down Democrats, I'm going to tear down Republicans. Yeah. And then their side take power, and then they didn't hold them accountable. I, I've learned that lesson from Obama because that's what I used to do. I used to attack Republicans all the time. I learned my lesson. That's why I don't do that anymore. I used to prop up Bernie and other people. I used to spend my time attacking uh, neoliberals all the time. And then I turned my fangs at Bernie and them because I realized that, oh, you guys are doing a fraud on the working class. So yeah. then I started holding Bernie and AOC accountable relentlessly. And the same people who followed and loved me on the Bernie campaign, they was quick to cancel me. They was call, they called me Red Brown Alliance. Like I'm, this phase is done now because I, I I've been vindicated many times over. Mm -hmm. But I they, they call me Red Brown. I, they call me like white supremacist is Jason. This uh -huh. is what these AOC supporters used to call me yeah. because they were so entrenched in their cult. And mm -hmm. I was always like, let's you gotta we gotta hash these problems out so we have a greater overall movement. So I'm glad that you're able to call your side. I think that's one of the biggest problems is people just they just they just they just pick a side. And they never criticize that side no matter what. I think that's one of the biggest problems that we have. Yeah, yeah right. And, and I completely agree with your point. Like, if we're always reaching across the aisle just to slap other people around, those people don't care anyways because they're already, like, in their positions, and you're probably not going to change their mind. So the best we should do is hold our own leaders and our own to a higher standard because, once again, I believe that we deserve better political leaders. Um, one person that you had called out a lot, and it was so funny to me because he is my senator here in Pennsylvania, but John Fetterman, um, people were like, oh, my God, he's, the, the uh... Republicans now are like, oh, he's so based. I'm like – He's exactly uh, who he was in the first debate against Dr. Oz. He's a Zionist. He's a China hawk. He's not for the working class. He's just your typical corporate Democrat. But he played a little bit into this, you know, working man from Pennsylvania to get all the votes and win. And then what happens as soon as he gets in? He's waving the Israel flag. And that's who he's always been. That He never changed. But now Republicans like him for saying the same stuff that, you know, all the neocons and neoliberals are saying. And the leftists are starting to turn on him. But it's already too late. The dude already won. Yeah, that's the John, the John Fetterman thing is when I started to view myself as oppositional to the Bernie movement. And this is around the time where we was going after these people relentlessly yeah. because it wasn't, I used, I used, and I still softly at heart, believe it or not. Like I, yeah. I give a lot of people benefit of doubt. And that is what I did to like Bernie and AOC supporters for a very long time. Even when I was critical of that, I'll be like, all right, let's steer them on the right side here. After I seen the movement support John Fetterman, there was a lot of things like the Ukraine war was uh, another one where, like, if you look at my tweets, even how I used to talk about AOC and Bernie, I was very critical, but I, I wasn't, my, there wasn't venom. I don't think there was venom there. <laughs> the venom, I purposely unleashed the venom after Ukraine war, after mm -hmm. seeing John Fetterman, after seeing these people who said they wanted a political revolution just become normal Democrats. I've seen people who made their career off of being anti-establishment Bernie media people. And now they're just essentially running campaign ads for Democrats on their show. That was with John Ferriman. John Ferriman, when they covered him, they didn't cover him. They pretty much ran a campaign ad for him where they read his campaign speeches verbatim without questioning them. You know what we, what we did at RBN? We did something weird called journalism where we didn't believe what a politician say. Kind of mm -hmm. weird, huh? We did some thing, something called research. And despite all the corporate big media, and I'm calling them out just because they're bigger than me. I don't like picking on 
small channel, but like breaking points. Even my friend Bree, like uh, uh, many other people who like propped up John Fetterman, it took you only a, it only took me a few seconds because I'm like, all right, who's this guy? I saw yeah. people say he's the next Bernie Sanders. I'm like, when I saw that, like, who's this guy? First thing I did, you want know the first thing I did? First thing I did was type in John Fetterman in Israel. <laughs> I knew nothing about the guy, Cal. Yeah. I wasn't uh-huh. trying to take him down. I kept yeah. hearing this guy's name. I heard the Vanguard talk about him. All these people who call themselves on the left. So they like, hey, God, this guy named John Fairman, he's running. I mem- Actually, I remember getting a super chat. I had no idea what this guy was. He like, hey, Nick, are you paying attention to John Fairman? I heard he got a lot of potential. I'm like, who? Is he a Democrat? Mm-hmm. Who? I was like, what? So I looked into him, immediately found a ton of Zionist shit. Then there was a story <laughs> about him chasing a, a, a black man with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. And then the left completely ignored that. Now, let me tell you something. You want to know what the number one fear that we have as black people in this country? Being chased by a random unhinged person with a shotgun who don't feel like you belong in their neighborhood. Kyle, what's worse than that? I I can't (laughs) think of much, to be completely honest. What's worse? So if they want to tell me MAGA is racist, Kyle, Mm -hmm. but they supporting a guy who pulled a shotgun on a black jogger because he didn't belong in the neighborhood? Yeah. There's no story I heard of MAGA doing anything worse than that. Yeah. So I saw the left apologize for that. Mm-hmm. John Fairman didn't even apologize. He, he his what he said in response was he like, oh, the guy is not mad anymore because the pet the campaign paid him off, waved him mm-hmm. around. I'm sure oh, gave him a lot of course. to say he forgave him. So John yeah. Fairman at no point never apologized. You guys know that? He said mm-hmm. Well, the guy, the guy I shotgun to, he's over it, so you guys need to get over it too. That was his message. So once again, just character-wise, he he's a Zionist, and the, your moral character, the kind of person that will pull out a shotgun on someone because they're how could they look different from them? That's someone who inherently is so cowardly they will never be a good leader. They have prejudices that will lead them to support imperialism. These are things that Arbin was saying as the entire Bernie media industrial complex, as we call them, were just pushing them uncritically. So as this was going on, John Ferriman supporters getting upset with us, and I'm getting happy because they are upset with us, because I was telling everyone, if you're upset with my coverage of John Ferriman, if you're still supporting the Democratic Party, lose my number. Mm-hmm. So Because we are done with that, and those are the hard positions that hurt RBN at times, but they always come back and help because we are vindicated. I am not letting those same people forget that they supported John Fetterman. Even though I took a ton of heat at the time for that, now people look back like, oh, shit, RBN was right about that, and it comes back around. That's why we're in this game. I'm sure you do the same thing. Misty do the same thing. We take heat from take it for taking controversial positions, but then it will always come back around. Truth will always run out, run out in the end. Uh, so that's my John Fetterman uh, spill. Back to you, Kyle. Oh, dude, yeah, no, I, I completely 100% agree. And, you know, this kind of comes to me when it comes to, like, the China stuff. So, as I said, I'm, you know, obviously friends with a lot of right-wingers. It's funny, my dad actually showed up here in the chat. Uh, John Fetterman, his impeccable clean clothes holding a shotgun. That's hysterical. Uh, but, you know, it's the same deal. It's just a total faux appearance to win over the working-class people of Pennsylvania. Because, you know, there's shutdown factories all over the place here. So, he has to appeal to those kind of people. And I think a lot of people looked at him and saw, hey, that's my uncle who lost his job you know 20 30 years ago but little did they know that once again as soon as not even as soon as he gets in there on the debate stage he's telling everybody i'm going to sell you out and that's what a lot of these politicians it was like harvard elite and his parents came from money that was something i I learned immediately as well when i when they were pushing that hoodie and shorts gimmick 
And I'm like, no one's gonna look into the fact that he's from generational wealth. Which mm-hmm. it, I'm, I'm all for class traders, but yeah. my position is class traders have a lot of proof. <laughs> like, if you come from wealth, you come from money, and you want power, you be, you got a lot of proof. You need to be at rallies. You got to be right on these issues for a very long time for we support. You can't just come out of nowhere doing this obvious grift and then fall, seeing people fall for that. Done with the love. I'm, let's let's make our own love. Now, what we trying to do? Like we, I don't say we influ- influential. We got a l- little bit of people listen to us. You know what I mean? But at that point, I was like, all right, the what the Bernie left. Everyone, I'm done with those people. I'm just, oh, let's lead by example and show people what it's really about. But sorry, go ahead, Kyle. No, no, that's okay. Yeah. Um, when I talked to Misty about this kind of stuff, and I'm sure you might have seen the anti-war rally last year, the Rage Against the War Machine rally. It was a very, very interesting event because like there were all sorts of ideologies amongst these people, and we were all un- united under the banner of anti-imperialism. And I think this is where kind of like the libertarian movements and then like the dissident left movements need to kind of unite because I think it's this is kind of like the worst things that our government does so like i took a lot of heat from a lot of right-wingers even a lot of libertarians for saying that like hey a lot of the stuff you're hearing about china the uyghur genocide the TikTok, you know invading your privacy and all this stuff a lot of that stuff's a lie and it's cold war propaganda the china buying all the farmland when you look into it's like a fraction of one percent of overall foreign owned farmland like all this stuff that john fetterman was pushing too this is just cold war propaganda that is trying to get you to manufacture consent for a war with china and people think biden's owned by china no he's had the most aggressive stance out of any president ever when it comes to china absolutely you you're you're absolutely nailing it kyle because you what you say is so true because i actually uh mock those the people on the right and i actually got like a ton of people on the right that follow me uh which i find very interesting um because of my aggressive nature, I, I mostly laugh at these people because they pretend they're anti-establishment, as you say. Yeah. I'm questioning Fauci. I'm, I am questioning the Democrats. Oh, how brave. You're questioning one party. You are wow. so brave. I'm questioning the world economic for. I question what CNN and MSNBC, New York Times, the Washington Post. I am a free thinker. But I believe everything they say about the enemies of the United States. Right. <laughs> Can you guys? Yeah, it, think, I, I I don't trust anything the news media says, but I believe everything they say about socialism. I believe everything they say about Cuba. I believe everything they say about China. How does that reconcile? So, I I had a reeducation period where I taught everything I I learned in public education, retaught myself, relearned history, and that's how I kind of got the politics I have today. I like literally threw everything I thought I knew about China, everything I threw, thought I knew about the the DPRK, North Korea. Russia, yeah. China, all that shit. Because I'm like, bro, if they lying about the Iraq war, they lie about WMB, they, they lie about all this stuff, they lying about our enemies, of course, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying our enemies are it's sun, sunshine and rainbows over there, yeah. but everything they tell you is false. And that's the premise I work. And it tends to be fuck that tend to work out really great if you have that that premise of everything they tell you is is uh is false. And the China thing is probably one of the most obvious things to me that I suppose how so many people are not uh, serious, like with the, with China, we have an opportunity to provide an era of prosperity that humans have never seen before. We have China that lifted a record amount of people out of poverty 
using a lot of innovative economic models that many people in the West don't agree with. But isn't this a great thing? Like, if you think about it rationally, like you have, and I, and I am dropping my ideology here completely, right? Mm. Let's take, let's just drop my ideology. Let's take the benefits of Western capitalism. You know, Western capitalism that uplifted people out of poverty. Once again, this is the American angle. Let's combine that and let's work with, with with people in China that took like a market socialist approach and they somehow took a completely different economic model than ours and they able to uplift people out of poverty. They're able to produce, Kyle. Can you imagine the society in the future that will, will happen if American capitalists decide to take the best of what they have and then work with China on the best they had to, to produce the maximum prosperity for humanity? The the, yeah. the the position that we should be at should be amazing if you think about it. Yeah. But we're not there. You know why? Because there can't be competition. Mm-hmm. There can't be another superpower, let alone a non-white Chinese superpower. Hell no. So now and so instead of working with these people to create a, a, a era of prosperity, humanity never seen before, we are engaged at war. We are mm-hmm. ramping up our military with these people. Uh, we're siphoning money for our community to ramp up our military to fight these people. We're engaging in sanctions that is harming the world economy. The United States' aggressive stance against China has harmed their potential economic future. I'm not saying stop them. They had a goal to stop them. They didn't do that. But if they didn't, if they wasn't aggressive, imagine what China could have done. That's my point. So it, that's why people should be more upset at the stance of the West. They're holding back human potential. And even as I speak, you can talk in anime. I get furious. Listen, just right. thinking about it. Like, yeah. th- can you imagine the future we would have if there wasn't this non nonstop war, but we wanted to work with people? If, even if that mean giving a country an advantage, you know what I mean? But anyway, yeah. I, will, I will look at your thought pass back to you. Just- no, 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 that's okay. No, I, I absolutely love it. And I completely agree. And I've made this point a few times on the show, and I'm kind of curious how you would think about it. And I have something else I want to follow up with. Um, but like... You know, when it comes to China, if you look all over the world, what have they done? They went down to Africa and they gave, they don't do, they don't engage in usury. So they don't charge these uh, places interest and they loan out, you know, money to all these countries in Africa and help them raise their standard of living. Right now, you could maybe make the argument that they're engaging in debt trap diplomacy. I don't know. Um, you know, I don't like any governments, so I would lean towards maybe they're doing that. But like, okay, well, let's compare that to what America is doing. We go yeah. into countries, <laughs> there was a saying, I forget who said it, but they said, you know, America goes in with bombs, China goes in with a briefcase. If you ask me which one's preferable, I'm sorry, but the briefcase is preferable to bombs. So, you know, clearly China's the good actor in this situation. And once again, I don't like any governments, but if you have to compare the two, China has way less blood on their hands over the last 30 years than America does. And that's clear. I'm reading this headline. I'm planning on doing a story on this later this week. Um, this is. Uh, a story from South China Morning Post yeah, to China to challenge China's influence in Africa. The United States borrows from the Belt and Road. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place 
to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. The playbook. <laughs> so what this article is saying is that the United States is now stealing the policy that they used to call economic imperialism. I thought that was economic imperialism. Right. When you develop people it's only when China does it. Um, actually, I, I, I use I use this. I don't know if you mind if, you, if I shared it, but this is why. No, go ahead. I'll pull it up. Here. Yeah, I don't know if you mind because I use StreamYard, so I'm familiar how I use this. Yeah, so this is why I read it, just so you know I'm not making this up. Mm-hmm. Um, so they accused China of engaging of economic imperialism doing this. Now, this is a big omission that China is better diplomats than them. So the United States uh, policy was to bomb countries into a submission. They will also enable and prop up the most extreme fascists in the country. Uh, they usually extreme fascists because who are the kind of people that will betray their people in order to give them so government power? These are people who are usually fascists. These are the people in South Vietnam. These are the people, honestly, in South Korea that, that betrayed the Korean people and allowed millions of the people to be slaughtered because they had economic disagreements. When you look at the Maduro opposition in Venezuela, there was fascist extremists who went who was willing to betray their people in order to uh, implement Western capitalist policies. The same with Cuban gusanos who flee because they were counter-revolutionaries and they wanted to uh, import American capitalism to exploit Cuban workers. Cuban workers wanted their own sovereignty, so they had the revolution. So they fought against them with the help of the United States. So the point is, the people who usually oppose the United States in these countries are usually the biggest traitors and generally the most extreme. So extreme they will allow a hostile foreign power to help them. So that's usually the way the United States got into these countries, and they will prop up dictators. Uh, tyrannical leaders who would then later become unpopular and then uh, the Africans or the, whoever the country was, they would then blame the United States for for propping up a puppet leader, then leading to the decline of U.S. Uh, favorite, uh, favorite uh, favorability or yeah. Yeah, favorability for a better term uh, in the region. 
So what China did instead, they they went and build. They built in, in Africa. And I've read a lot of reports about how China forgave a lot of debt, like forgave a historic amount of too. debt. Um, but even if you want to criticize them, because I'm not, I do try to be careful. I, I do admire China's economic model and, and what they have done, but I try not to be like an unapologetic. It's hard because I think they accomplished a lot over the last few decades. I try not to be unapologetically pro-China. Uh, but when you look at the deals that Africa made, they look at the IMF, they look at the West, they look at China's and the deals that they proposed, and then like this would be fantastic. I put we don't need to. I put this down. But they like this would be fantastic for our country if we invest in uh, with China instead of the West. Now, what a lot of people in the West, what they would do is because of a lot of anti-black sentiment, and not even on purpose. Like a lot of like white liberals would think they're pro-black. They would think they think that Africans are being uh, manipulated and taken advantage of China by China because it's a trope that Africans are dumb and Chinese people are smart. So that's why we must reject that because we gotta understand that African people that are, that are signed up for the Belt and Road Initiative, people working with China, they know what's best for them. And the reason why they're saying they've been exploded, exploited, the reason why they are making these accusations of, of imperialism is to undermine the amazing accomplishment that China has done bringing the world together. Are these deals perfect? I'm not trying to say that. Once again, I'm trying not to be pro super pro China. Yeah. I just I just very enthusiastic about what they have done recently. Are these deals perfect? No, but I think the African people know what they're doing. And, and based on what uh, China has done in terms of forgiving debt, uh, knowing the history of the IMF, I think what China has done is incredible. That's just my personal take. If you just want to know, that's what I was just sharing. Um, <laughs> but I'll pass it back to you, Kyle. Yeah, no, no, I, I, for the most part, actually largely agree with that. And it's kind of funny, even when you look at the conflicts that the U.S. is complicit in, like when it comes to Palestine, when it comes to Ukraine, um, Z is over there saying, I want peace. Like, can we negotiate yeah. peace? So once again, yeah, are you familiar at- with the Chinese peace proposal? It is one of the things that was extremely underreported on and in essentially completely ignored by mainstream media. Whenever they talk about the Chinese peace proposal, they say, oh, China drew up a plan that would be that would benefit Putin. <laughs> no, China essentially wrote a global declaration of respecting sovereignty. And within this, it was calling for ending Q- the Cuban embargo and ending any violation of sovereignty, it, uh, giving Palestinians a state. So this was a Ukraine peace proposal because if you su- respect the sovereignty of other people and you respect referendums that mean you had the donbass a lot of areas in eastern ukraine that would be independent or they'd be mm-hmm. pro russian the idea that china proposed to the world was to respect what people want how people want to be governed i know that sounds crazy obvious to us but this is like look at the his- history of humanity this is what the ruling class do not want china is proposing something historic in the world re- well, not the world. The West rejected it in large. The media still won't report on it. I apologize for interrupting you, Cal. Uh, you're to good, try that in, but that's but that's show the hot the difference between the mindset between China and the United States. They like, bro, we are making so much money. Like, bro, do you guys want to make money? We want to make money. We're balling. Do you guys want to ball, or do you guys want to bomb people? Like, this is like China is like you guys are crazy. Like. Can we just make money? China get criticism from people on the left because they're almost not ideological enough. Like, for example, China had good relationship with Israel, for example. Right. China will have relationships with, uh, with, with 
governments, some people on the left will call like kind of tyrannical in way. Like they not they they engage and they work with governments in a way where they just like we want global pro- prosperity, and they get critiqued from the left for this. And I'm not saying they're both critical. They're like, oh, China, you should take this tough stands on this. No, they're like, no, 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 we just want to make money. That's why it's even more insane that Americans have been convinced to hate them. Because as I did, as I got more into citizen journalism, I took, it was a, it was upon myself to learn more about China. You know what I mean? So I learned a lot about China over the last like two, three years. And I, and as I learned more about China, Americans hatred for China seems even crazier to me. Like I see, I see nothing but stuff we should be inspired by. They got like high speed rail. Like uh, you can go, you can get to Hanzhong in Beijing and that's like insane amount of distance in like a day or so, half a day. It'll be like my my, my co CJ live in, in Los Angeles, right? I live in Kansas City. Imagine if I was able to jump on a train, be in LA in eight hours or so, and then able to do Nick and CJ live and get home before the morning is done. <laughs> like that's what the reality in China is right now. They are living in the future. Last thing I say, I passed you. You know I'm a ranting yeah, motherfucker. You're good. Oh no, no, no you're good. I love it. I was talking to someone who made a great point on actually Carl Zah. I almost forgot Carl Zah on my show yesterday. Yeah. Oh, I listened to that. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Well, I was talking about approved ratings. He he, great, he brought up a great problem. Still, this moving forward, he like you don't even use approved rating. Look at how what people in China say about their future. Like look at what Americans say about the future. When Americans talk about the future is is gloom. Civil war is coming. We're doomed. What the fuck is the, like there's you know there's I remember Y2K, remember the 2000 conspiracy theories, 2012. All these doomsday theories came from pessimism on our society. When you ask China, Chinese citizens how they how they view about the future and this is recording their posts, they're the most optimistic uh, population on the earth. They they see high speed rail, they see the new infrastructure that being developed in China. They see all this crazy stuff that their government is doing, all these people being uplifted from poverty, all this new infrastructure, all these new plans. They have a plan to create a, a senior citizen initiative for older people who are retired so they can have recreational happy lives. They're going to have these senior universities. So as China has senior universities, they take care of their, their senior citizens. Senior citizens in the United States say, welcome to Walmart, <laughs> you know, in, in yeah. America. So it's, right. so people in China are excited. Meanwhile, America is doom and gloom for good reason. So um, anyway, I'll pass it to you. I got, I got a lot to say on that. But I'll pass oh, no, I, know, I don't know why. I don't know what the original point is, to be honest. But I'll pass it to you, Cal. <laughs> no, no, dude, I, I absolutely love it. And it's something that people really should consider. And I, I never really considered the point until you made it there that, like, we could have, like, a world that almost doesn't know poverty if the imperialists in our own government would just drop it and say, like, hey, China, we're going to reach out to you in good faith and we're going to work with you and we're going to uplift the entire world out of poverty. And not, like, this idea that we're just going to pour money from helicopters but look like we already know that like china and the u.s trading already raises everybody's living standards their living standards over there because they get u.s dollars that they can use all over the world and then you know our living standards because we get the stuff you know probably everything in this room the amps the guitars there's bits and pieces that come from china and i'm an automotive technician so i mean there's 
pieces on cars that I work with every day that probably came from China. So like, why can that not be applicable all over the world? And it's also funny that people criticize China for being too communist, right? You know, you always hear Steve Bannon, these stupid right wingers saying, no, it's the Chinese Communist Party. They're not really like these communists anymore. I mean, and from my perspective, I think they're pretty capitalist because they're going all over the world, you know, making good on commitments, deals and doing voluntary exchanges for things, you know, develop goodwill all over the world. Um, but one thing I want to get your point or uh, your thoughts on is um, specifically when it comes to China, though, like when you hear people talk about China and what they do bad, it's almost like the Israel lobby. And it's like a little conspiracy that I have that like the Israel lobby put out all this propaganda to hide what they're actually doing, because like, you know, you start tracking all this stuff down front companies. Israel had a front company in the U.S. back in the 90s that wiretapped Bill Clinton, a genocide. Okay, well, <laughs> it's hard to say what they're doing to the Palestinians now isn't genocide when you consider they've eliminated 1% of their population within the last couple months. And then, you know, you just go on down the list and it's like, oh, actually everything that the right accuses China of, Israel's actually guilty of. Yeah, and one thing I want to... Um... I want to get I want to get back to this point regarding yeah. uh, working with China and people. I really want people to reject the the standards of low expectations they put on the working class in this country. You know how they demonize the term utopia. Mm -hmm. That was a coordinated effort. You know what I mean? Oh, what do you want to do, Kyle? You want to build a utopia? That's not possible. So you should accept the corruption. And the bullshit that we—you're not gonna fix anything. Why should we accept that? Why? I'm not saying it's possible to build a utopia, but why? Why should we let that limit ourselves? That's what they will say in response to me. Oh, you think we can work with China? Were you trying to build a utopia? Yeah, we. Sh the goal that we have should be to be to improve our society so our the future generation live in a better way than we live. That should be the goal. And somewhere yes. along the line, people just gave up. And now the boomer generation is more than happy with the fact that the next generation is worse off than them. They failed in spectacular fashion. Now, back to you, what you said about China. Um, yes, like I would I would describe China as a market socialist uh, society. And there's a lot of debate about this. <laughs> Like I've seen, I've yeah. seen so many people on the left. I've seen so many socialists debate and yell about this. That's my, that's my calculation. That's my, mm -hmm. that's my opinion. I talked a lot of Marx. I think they agree with me as well. And China, to me, represents exactly why there's no reason for capitalists to be afraid of communism and socialism. Because you know how they they demonize. They're like, oh, what do you mean socialism, communism? What does that mean? You are you saying there's not you shut business down? We never said we getting rid of markets. We just want a central plan planning model that isn't anarchy. We want a central planning model that's not anarchy that has uh, the the social and public good at heart. So what China does, China allowed the free the free flow of capital in their in their system. They got capitalist systems and countries that they have to work with. They have business entities that work with capitalist countries that they have to deal with. So if you want to have a thriving system, you got to deal with the material reality that we are working with right now. This is what we talk about in the science of Marxism. So so China has to work with these capitalist countries, these capitalist companies. So they allow the flow of capital. But China control the banks. So when so Trump, China naturalizing the banks, 
leads to a system where the average rent and housing is around $500 a person in China. And that's in United States dollars. The wow. cost, the housing is around five times uh, cheaper in China than it is in the United States because China took housing off the table. They took landlords off the table. So yes, they allowed the flow of capital. Yes, they still have stuff. Remember, oh, you want social, you a socialist communist, you want to take my stuff? They still got stuff in China, sir. You're just not allowed to own an oil field, cow, fam. You're not allowed to own an oil field. That's what we are saying. You're not allowed to own water. That is what we are saying. You're not allowed to do that. So China took that out. They own the water. They own the infrastructure. They own the banks. They own the healthcare system. That's why everyone got free healthcare. These are why they have no homeless. But the fact that they have a functioning market system where capitalists can still make money is exactly why capitalists should have no reason. Well, I shouldn't say capitalists. They should have a reason to feel If I want to be one to be honest, capitalists do have a reason to feel socialism. But the average worker is not a capitalist. You're a worker. Not There are two different things. I'm not getting into weeds. I don't want to get too much into weeds. Yeah, no, but good, China... And the model that which I like, and this is what the 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 next, I think, evolution of society would be. It is market socialism form. Take the anarchy out of it. Take take the the systems that are not meant to be private out of it. Once again, this is my opinion as socialism. This is the system in China has nationalized mm-hmm. industry. So you have a successful, planned society. I know that. I know that may recoil some people. Oh, plan a centralized planned society. Capitalism is centralized planning. It's centralized planning by the capitalists. China wants centralized planning by the proletariat. What we want is centralized planning by the proletariat, uh, sees the mean of production of critical industry, which doesn't lead to insane um, corruption and corporate bailouts and poverty that we right. uh, have with right now. But anyway, I, I, I passed you guys. I'll, I'll just be rambling all day. But the point is, uh, there's no reason to even fear what China is doing right now. I think it represents the future. But anyway, I'll, I'll pass to you. No, no, no. I, you know what's funny is that like I consider myself an anarcho-capitalist. So as in like a libertarian in the form of no government where everybody can voluntarily exchange goods. But I think you and I both see the same evil where like the system that we have in the West right now upholds failed businesses that only serve the corporate elite at the expense of the working class. Um, now, like, like I said, I think we both diagnose this evil, but I think we have different solutions, but like, we both yeah. recognize that like this form of capitalism where it's not necessarily voluntary exchanges. Once again, we're robbing Peter, you know, in the working class to pay the elites in my mind, you know, that's not capitalism, but you know, I, I you identify the same problem. Yeah, and I, I'm, I think I'm not going to fight you. Know. Can, I, can I just say something? Hope, hope this can, uh, move. People a little bit. Tw- I want people to sure. understand what I'm saying. I'm not, we're not debating you because it's okay that we don't. Yeah, no, dude. Yeah. Uh, I want people for the COVID issue, for example. Mm-hmm. Why was there so much mistrust over like the vaccine, for example? Because there's a there is an inherent belief that they don't care about your public health, right, Cal? They're not giving yeah. you the vaccine because they care about your health. They're giving you the vaccine because they're making one thousand dollars per second off of it. They're, they push mandates, not because they thought it would be good for workers, but they want as many people to buy the vaccine as possible so they can increase the profit margin of the big pharma. So what happens in our country is capital has more power than the government. 
So whenever capital have more power in the government, it creates mis distrust because then you start questioning who's making the decisions. Are the capitalists making the decisions? Are the boss who profiting making our decisions? Or is the government making a decision based on the public good? So whenever, and we don't have to go back and forth. This is my last thing I would say. Whenever yeah, capital is stronger, whenever you have oligarchs that are stronger than the government, that leads to feudalism, that leads to corruption, that led to the failed COVID policies. That led to the mistrust because people thought that they were being fed bullshit for money, right? So you maximize government trust, you get rid of the anarchy, and you actually get a policy that works for everybody when you take rid of the profit motive. That's just my general thesis. I'll pass you for anything. We don't have to debate it, but that's just my general thesis yeah. on what's going on, what the problem is. is is the people mm -hmm. that have capital, they have way too much mm -hmm. power and that dictate the corruption in our government. But anyway, I'll pass it to you. I'll let yeah, you yeah. I, I think the uh, the largest pushback I would have there is basically like in my ideal world, once again, we're both kind of talking about worlds that we don't currently live in, unfortunately. Yeah, fair enough. Like fair I, enough. I would even say like the world that you would advocate for would be a lot better than what we have now. Um, now, obviously, once again, we have all, all our own ideals and preferences, but like when it comes to the ideal capitalist system, in my mind, you wouldn't ha you would have competing currencies and you wouldn't see these people who once again get rich off of throwing people under the bus. Like I think a lot of what happened with COVID was basically people using science to promote themselves and using it in a dishonest way and that's why a lot of people lost trust for it so like this is you know obviously i know you're probably into a little bit of health and fitness as well because you do mma but like you know i'm big into health and fitness because i'm a big you know weightlifter i love lifting heavy stuff and setting it back down again but like um i'll always go to bat for science because like look these you know technologies and studies and stuff that we do when it comes to science will always make our lives better but um the problem with government as we have it today is that nobody gets held accountable for their bad actions because, you know, once again, the big banks that are completely controlled by the, you know, by the, our political system, they're always there to give people bailouts and bail out bad actors when those companies shouldn't be held up any longer. Those companies should fail if they're not, if they're no longer viable. Because you and I yeah. wouldn't get a bailout, right? If yeah, we had a company, we would never get a bailout. Yeah. And that's why I don't spend a lot of time fighting libertarians mm -hmm. we have a different solution but we see the same problem yeah my personal belief hope i don't offend any libertarians by this i think once we overthrow Please the do. system <laughs> i think once we if we ever have this coalition where we overthrow the system i think libertarianism will fall apart after that and i think there would be nothing else other than having a planned centralized system that care mostly about the workers the dictatorship of the proletariat so i don't really feel i feel like once we team up with libertarians they we will reach a point where we realize what we got to do right so we don't agree with the overall solution but we need to take care of the uh, and get rid of the capitalist class and when i talk to like for example lion cosgrove who on my show who's a who, yeah. who says a libertarian I, I use him because i don't want to straw man anyone you yourself yeah. would call yourself a libertarian when i hear your politics it's clear to me that you guys want the best for who I would say the working class, the everyday working people, right? Yeah. Um, uh, there's terms that I don't necessarily agree with, like uh, globalist, but I know what you guys are talking about when you say, and that's not the same term yeah. I use. I use the term capitalist, sure. globalist, but I know yeah. what you're talking about. The point mm -hmm. is we have the same enemy. I think once we reach that point, then we can come together and we can have uh, a system that benefits the workers, a system that is hostile to the working class, because I think that's what, what we want. We want a system that prevents uh, a future evil ruling class from, uh, from climbing up. But I think we can, we, once we reach that point, 
once we've been organized together, I think we can we will reach a, a solid conclusion. I, and the reason why I say this is because there is a lot of hesitancy, and I mm-hmm. get a lot of pushback, and are being for like being friendly, being okay with libertarians. In fact, RBN is not even in agreement with this. And we even confuse people because people forget that RBN is not a monolith. Like you mentioned the, the Rage Against the, the War Machine rally. I was strongly in support of it, not even when RBN was. Sabi did a few segments roasting the the, the, the rally. I didn't agree with it because I was like, man, I'm for working with libertarians despite those issues because it's about raising awareness. So there's that there's that disconnect, but I think people need to drop that because the issue of the war machine is so huge. The yes. issue of policing is so huge. Uh, most libertarians that I think are principled understand the problem of the police state right now. Mm-hmm. And for, no matter what we do, no matter how we organize, no matter if we have the establishment, uh, they're back against the ropes. If there's no addressing the fact that they have an armed militia that can take us the fuck out whenever they want, Nothing is, will be accomplished. So yeah. a lot of libertarians are frauds, but the libertarians I know I'm friends with, they understand the problem with the police state. So that means I want to work with them. Mm-hmm. They, they see the problem with the war machines. So I want to work with them. And then when it comes to crafting an economic model, we're going to fight. And and my ego is going to tell me we're going to win because the truth is on our mm-hmm. side. But we're going to yeah. fight that out at the end. But I think ending state violence is so important. Ending the capitalist corruption is so important. That's why I critique yes. people on the left who... Don't want to talk to libertarians. Like I think this is important. Even if we disagree with the overall solution, I think the ruling class is so unhinged. They are united despite their differences. That yes. we need to start having the same approach. We need to start realizing that our that we have a, a, a lot of shared interests and goals, and it's okay for us to fight and figure out how we move afterwards. So anyway, that's my that's my spiel, Kyle. I know we we probably get near the end, but I pass to you, Kyle. Yeah, yeah, of course. I know we're a little bit over, and I uh, I apologize for that. But yeah, I no, really, no, really my enjoyed fault. the show. My fault because I, I I know I talked to him. Go ahead. Guys. Oh, dude, dude, yeah, you're you're good, you're good. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think the anti-imperialism stuff is probably the most important thing, and that's why I enjoy talking to people like yourself, Misty, and all the other people who would consider themselves maybe in a different camp. Um, I, I like I said, I truly do believe that's the most important thing, and I enjoy conversations like this a lot. So, um, hopefully you'll come back because I would love to do this again. And some same with uh, your other co-hosts at the uh, Revolutionary blackout network um i I think all you guys are absolutely fantastic so um, i'll definitely be reaching out to some of them in the future but uh nick feel free to give your plugs and uh like i said if you would uh, like to come back i'd definitely do this again yeah yeah for sure kyle uh, love to be back and i love bringing you on rbn sometime um make sure you guys check us out on the revolutionary blackout i stream every tuesday night thursday night and saturday at noon that's a nick at night and nick at noon season two this year we got banger after banger after banger we just had carl's off on Thursday, I had to uh, do distance on. I had Nico and Misty as well on last week. So uh, we got uh, tomorrow. I'm going to have a few union people on. Uh, we're going like there's another misconception on the left that American unions are worth a shit. <laughs> like American unions have been hijacked for a very long time. Yep. And there's a reason why you see a uh, AUW and all the unions endorse Democrats, even though they are a strike breakers and enemies of the working class it, hot unions have been hijacked it's a good idea and not and on paper and it's something that we should develop we need to get unions back to how they was in the 40s and 50s 
But unions as they are right now is not it. And we, I'm going to have former union workers that's going to explain their stories and explain how unions work. So that's what I'm playing on Thursday. It'll be a good panel. So thank you for having me on once again, Kyle. Of course. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, take care. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.